front of us here today, and uh, I'd like for us to turn to the book of Psalm chapter 77. Psalm chapter 77 today. And uh, last week, the psalm was written by a man by the name of David, whom you all know uh, probably, uh, the giant killer, the worshiper, uh, the, the king. Uh, this psalm is written by a different individual. A lot of people think that David was the only person who wrote psalms, and that's not true. There are actually multiple uh, people who wrote uh, some of the psalms, and today will be one of those, and uh, we're going to look at it together. The title of my message today is simply the word distressed. Distressed. Um, how many of us might face the <laughs> hands are already going up? How many of us will give me five dollars? How many of you? How many of you feel a little bit of distress from time to time uh, in this thing that we call life here? Absolutely, and we're going to take a look at a scripture that talks about that today from a person by the name of Asaph, and uh, I'll I'll describe who he was in just a little bit, but. For now, we're going to jump into the Scripture. So if you're able to, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's Word as we read this together. Psalm chapter 77. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow with me on the screen, and uh, we will uh, be on the same page that way, okay? Here we go. For the director of music for uh, Jeduthun of Asaph, a psalm. Here's what he says in verse 1. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful has he in anger withheld his compassion? And then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, through your footprints, although your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock 
by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Lord, I ask you that you would take our times of distress. And God, help us to know how to process them. God, take our times of trouble and anxiety, and God, let us know what we can do in the midst of them. And Lord, speak to us, I ask you, by your word, and we will thank you. In your name, we ask all of this, and God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So, we're going to talk about being distressed today, and what that means, and how we deal with it. Uh, First of all, let me describe for you who Asaph was, just in case uh, you are not brushed up on your Asaph trivia. You can now impress your friends. Uh, Asaph, he's the author of this particular psalm, okay? He He was an anointed Levite worship leader who wrote 12 of the psalms. So there's 150 psalms in the Bible, Asaph wrote 12 of those under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was appointed by David to be a worship leader at the temple. So this is not just some regular guy. This is not just some... In fact, this is not a person who is struggling spiritually. This would be a person who seems quite close to God. And as you read the verses that we just read, there are some powerfully transparent and very honest things that Asaph has to say throughout this entire psalm that I think we could actually relate to. Distress hits us, doesn't it? Troubled times. Anybody who told you that once you become a follower of Jesus, that you will never have a problem again. They lied to you. (laughs) Or they were just sadly ignorant or mistaken. The, the, The point is that as followers of Jesus, we are not exempt from trouble. And we are not exempt from distress. The question is, how do we process this trouble? And how do we process, how do we deal with it correctly? Because I will tell you that there are many who no longer attend church who never got over their times of distress. There are many who have never come to grips with what took place in their lives and tried to see it through the filter of their relationship with Jesus, and consequently, their walk with God absolutely fell apart. And we don't want that to happen now, do we? So, how do we process times of distress, trouble, anxiety? Uh, I want to give you three directions today. Three words that obviously will start with the same letter, because that's how it should be. Uh, So... All right. Here's the first one. You ready? Uh, First, I want us to realize a couple of things. And the truths that I'm about to give you, I think, are really, really important. Because there's some bad teaching out there that would say otherwise. And I look at the scripture and we know what the truth is. What should we realize? First of all, number one, we should realize that godly people will experience distress. I just said it. 
godly people will experience distress. Again, Asaph was not just a God follower, he was a worship leader. He was a godly man who was appointed by David to lead other people in worship in the temple. So this man was a godly man who had some incredibly important and godly responsibilities. And it's this man who says things like this. Look at verses 1 through 4 again. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. Wow. Asaph's going through something, isn't he? Do you know why I think God put examples like this in the scriptures? Because those moments that we feel this way, that that we think about God in our situation and all we do is groan. We, we, we feel like we haven't been comforted. We might even think that God isn't hearing our prayers. We, we, we are stressed out. We are hurting. I think God puts these people in the scriptures to give us someone to identify with. Because there's this awful teaching that seems to indicate that if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I should not feel this way. At the very least, I should never talk about it. I don't say you're sick. That's bad. Well, okay. If my head's in the stool, I am sick. So faith is not denying reality. Okay? If you're in pain, God's not going to get you because you say, man, I've got a headache. And I've heard, I've, I've seen people so militant about this. Don't say that. You'll get a worse, you know what. And I read the scriptures and I just, I just don't see that. And then I read about a godly worship leader who said some pretty gut-wrenching things like this. And that tells me that I'm Okay. If I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm feeling this, it's not because I've sinned. It's not because I'm far from God. It's not because God doesn't like me. It's not because God's no longer blessing me. It's not because I'm out of favor with Jesus. That's not why. Sometimes difficult things happen to good people. Plain and simple. And, and, and so hear me and, and see, and, and th- this, is, this is kind of personal for me be, be, because my, my mom before she died, and she died when I was a teenager, before she died, she, she was wrapped up in, in, in the thinking that she could not be open and honest about what she was facing physically. She was dying of cancer, but she dared not say that because she thought that she didn't have enough faith to be healed. It, and it was all the responsibility. And I'm just telling you folks, that is a bondage. That is not, that is not gospel. That is not freedom. That is bondage. So understand that it is okay. In fact, 
it's okay to go to God and just be blatantly honest about how you're feeling. God can handle you. Oh, I don't want God to get mad. He can handle you. He can handle you. Godly people will experience distress, but not only that, but this godly worship leader appointed by the man after God's own heart, David, this godly worship leader also experienced not only a time of distress, but a time of doubt. Godly people will experience doubt. Can you believe that? The scripture continues for us here in verse 5. Let's go there. Again, this is the worship leader, the godly man. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remember my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, (laughs) all right, nobody writes music that says, oh God, have you forgotten me? That's not going to give you the Holy Ghost goosebumps while you're singing. (laughs) Verse 7, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion. Have you ever had doubts like these? And maybe you never wanted to admit it. God, have you forgotten me? God, are you everything your word says that you are? God, are, okay, I know you forgive, but have you really forgiven me? Lord, the Bible says that you'll meet all my needs, but are you really going to meet this one? And, and, you understand what I'm saying? Or maybe it's not about what he could do for you. Maybe it's just about who he is. God, I thought you were all loving. I don't feel very loved. God, I I thought you were forgiving. God, I thought that I could trust you. God, I thought that you would provide for me. God, I I thought that you were this. I thought you were that. And, And what happens is that even people of God have doubts. I don't have it on the screen, but my mind keeps racing back, so I, I, I'm going to go ahead and share it. When Jesus was baptized... He was baptized by a man by the name of John the Baptist. And as Jesus was coming to the water, John the Baptist proclaims to everybody, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's how he introduced Jesus. A number of days later, John the Baptist is no longer baptizing people, he's in jail. And he sends his he sends his own disciples to Jesus, and he said, "Hey, will you ask Jesus this question? Are you the one? May I remind you that Jesus himself said of John the Baptist that there has never been anybody born of a woman who is." ever been like John the Baptist. In other words, Jesus said, you're not going to find a greater person than that guy. And it was that person who had doubts of the very person that he proclaimed to everybody was the Lamb of God. Do you think you're exempt from doubts? We're going to have them. 
We're going to have them. But the question is, do I stay, do I remain in my doubt and distress or do I move on? And I want to speak to those of you today, you are in your distress and you're in your doubts and you see no way out. And maybe you have maybe resolved upon yourself that you can never get out of point number one. You cannot get past the, the, the ninth verse in this psalm, that you are just stuck there when it comes to doubting if God is really who he says he is, and you feel like that you are miserable, and you can never get out of your distress, but you need to know this, that that is not the finish line. God has no intention for you to remain in your distress and your doubt. Realize that godly people have it, but also realize that God does not want you to stay there. Oh, I got to say this again. God doesn't want you to stay there. And you've got to move. You got to move from your doubt. And you got to move from your distress. And that brings me to the second direction I want to give you. Number one is realize. Number two, remember. Hear this. This is the foundation of this whole message right here. There is a call by God for his people to remember. To remember. Remember what? Asaph gives us some things for us to remember. Are you in distress today? Are you having some doubts today? Here we go. Here's what you need to remember. Number one. Remember what God did for me. This is the time for you to remember what God has done for you. See, the problem is a lot of us, we get amnesia when it comes to the things of God. Our faith in God often becomes, what have you done for me lately? How many times are we told in the scriptures to give thanks and praise to the God and not forget his benefits or not forget what he's done for us in the past? That's what worship is really all about. We are giving God praise for who he is and for what he has done in our lives. And this is a huge, important part of you getting out of distress and doubt is to remember what God has already done for you in the past. Well, he hasn't done anything for me. That's a lie. That's a lie. Don't, don't. Don't settle for that. Don't settle for the lies. If you woke up this morning, that is a miracle. (laughs) Some of you are pointing, yeah, especially this guy here. Well, he'd still be in bed. Look at verses 10 through 12. Then I thought, this I will appeal The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. Asaph is saying, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all of your mighty deeds. You see, when you're in distress and when you are in doubt, it's time to hearken back. It's time to rewind the tape. Those of you who are millennials, tape is what we used to put on our TV shows on, and we watch them later. So rewind the DVD player or the DVR, whatever it is, but go back. Go back. I look around here, and I see how God healed some of you. 
Some of you, I, I, I prayed at your bedside in the hospital. I was there with you when you were going into surgery. Some of you, we hugged you when, when, when you were going through some awful stuff. And God brought you through. We prayed for you when you were facing that physical battle and you're healed today. God used doctors and God used his power to bring you through. Some of you, you were so bound by something that controlled you and God delivered you and he released you and he set you free. If you are saved today, you have something to thank God for. He has saved you from a life of sin. He has kept you from making some terrible decisions. It is at this time of my distress and this time of my doubt that I got to look back and say, God, you've done this for me. Don't think that he has done nothing for you. He has been faithful to you. And don't forget it. Remember what he did for you. Secondly, remember what God did for other people. Not only remember what God did for other people, or for you, but for other people. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as, look at the pronoun there, our God. Don't miss this. I know it's just a three-letter word, but I think it's big. Because Asaph's focus goes from himself to other people. Don't miss this. It's very easy to isolate yourself in the field of distress and doubt. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants to isolate you, to make you feel alone to think that there's nobody else around you. And Asaph says, you're not just my God, you're our God. So when I'm going through some stuff, I can look out here. I can look out here. And I can see people who had heart attacks and they're still alive. I can see people who were bound and they're set free. I could see families that were in danger falling apart and God brought them together. I, I could see uh, people that were troubled and God has given them an incredible amount of peace. It's not like everything is perfect. It's not like these people are perfect, but I know what God's done in the past for my friends and for my loved ones. And as we sang earlier, I've seen you move, God. You move the mountains. And I believe you will do it again. Remember what God's done for me. Remember what God's done for other people. And remember what God has done in Scripture. Oh. Where's your Bible? When you're in distress, where's God's Word? Please don't tell me it's in the back seat waiting for the next Sunday service. Where's your Bible? What, what's God's word say? See, this is when you need it. 
This is when you need it. Asaph went back just to the stories of his predecessors. Look at verses 14 and 15. He says this, You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Skip down to verse 20. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. How could it not be an act of God to lead thousands of people through the wilderness to the promised land? Folks, I run the golf league. Leading 20 golfers to tee off at the proper time is like herding deaf cats. Now multiply that by tens and tens and tens of thousands of people. And God somehow gave favor to Moses. Golfers, I'm just joking around with you, okay? You you know how it goes. You know. But God, God, it's act of God that those thousands of people, moody, hungry, Complaining people. God led them all. How? That's an act of God. And I read through the scriptures of what God's done when Jesus healed a blind man. When, when, when Jesus just called it out and a little girl was healed. When, when Jesus raised the dead. I, I, I read this and I'm reminded that the same God who did all of that is the same God that I'm praying to. And if I remember what he's done in Scripture, and if I remember what he's done for the people around me, and if I remember what he's done in my life in the past, I can get out of this distress. I can get out of these doubts. If I would just receive the call to remember And I'm going to close with this. Lastly, the last direction is to rely. I want you to rely on God's power. Rely on God's power. Starting in verse 16, Azaph gives these incredible descriptions of God's power. He says, the water saw you, God. The water saw you and writhed. The, the, the very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen. I, I will depend in my distress and in my doubts, I will depend on not what I can do, but on what God can do. Because I can only do so much. And there might be an occasion where God says, hey, Phil, do this. Phil, take this step. Phil, this is how I want you to obey me at this time. But at the same time, the Lord can do more 
in a second than I can do in a lifetime. I rely on the God who created the universe, the creator of the heavens, the creator of the sea, the one who spoke to the storm and said, peace be still, and the storm stopped, the one who walked on water. See, the God who has the power over all of nature has the power over your situation today. Let me say it again. The God who has power over all nature has power over your situation today. Nothing is too difficult for you. Your family situation is not too difficult for God. Not at all. Your finances, it's not too difficult for God. Your health issue, it's not too difficult for God. Your work situation, it's not too difficult for God. Your school situation, it's not too difficult for God. Nothing is too difficult. Nothing is impossible for God. And I will depend not on what I can do. And again, you've heard me say this. I am a self-confessed control freak. Type A, what can I do about this situation? Write it out, script it out. Let's have a plan B. Let's have a plan C. And a plan D. And I got it all. And then I've learned that God doesn't always follow my directions. (laughs) Even when I've done all this work for him. And I've realized that depending on him also means I'm depending on his plan and depending on his ways. And I don't know what you're facing, friend. I don't know what kind of distress you might be in today. But I believe that there is a call to realize, number one, that you aren't alone. Godly people face times of distress. You aren't alone. Godly people face times of doubt. And if that, that could be the most liberating thing that you come out of here with today, is that I must be okay. Because if this godly worship leader named Asaph can say this stuff, then I can too. But maybe there's a call for you to remember. Maybe you just need to sit on a chair or kneel at an altar today and just say, God, I remember that you healed me in the past. I remember that you provided for me in the past. I remember that, in fact, would you remember the small things? Not just the huge things, the small things. God, you you provided this for me. You took care of me. You, You made me well. You brought my family together. My husband's not a jerk anymore. <laughs> you know who you are. God, you've, you've... My family's getting along. That, that's an act of God. Or, or maybe you just need to look around And look at the testimonies that are in this room. Look at the testimonies in here. 
I remember being at Cleveland Clinic when Joy was in there this past summer. I remember Tony being the last person I was able to pray with in the hospital before COVID hit when he had a heart attack. I remember that. Sitting there with Rich, and I'm thinking, Rich, what is going on? I remember praying with some of you when your job situation was bad and God brought the right situation for you. Remember. Remember. Remember the blind man that received his sight. Remember the lame man that could get up and walk. Remember the, the, the dead that were raised to life by Jesus. Remember. Remember. And maybe your call today is just to remember and then rely and depend on the grace and the strength and the power of the King of Kings. He's greater than your distress. Can you say amen? Amen. Ralph, if you could help me stand with me, if you would, please. Hallelujah. I believe there's a call to remember. There's a call to realize that you're not alone. There's a call to remember. And, and I, I, would, I would say this. Could, could you, if you're facing distress, and if you're facing even the doubt that comes with that, could, could I challenge you before you walk out of here to maybe just sit in His presence and remember? Just sit in His presence and remember, you know what that does? That's not a magic wand that takes all your problems away. That builds your faith. You realize that, okay, God, you've done it before. You can do it again. You healed me once before. You can heal me again. You took care of my family before. You could, you could do it again. The same God who created the sun and the stars. The same God who touched Tony and Joy and others in here. The same God is the same one that I ask you to remember and pray to and cry out to today to say, Lord, I'm in distress. Take me from this place with a confidence in you. Could you bow your heads, please? all of us. I want to give you that time alone with God here today, but before I do, I want to ask you today, are you right with God today? Are you in a right relationship with Jesus? Or have you drifted from Jesus? Or maybe you've never served him before. Today is the day. Today is the day to give your life completely to the Lord. And I will not embarrass you, but I want to pray with you today that God would become your Lord and your Savior. Whether it's for the first time or the 51st time, let's make it the last time and let's give everything to Jesus today. You're here and you'll say, I need to give my life completely to Jesus. If that is you, I just want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. That's all I want you to do. I want to pray for you. If that's you, I need to give my life completely to Jesus. Thank you. Is there someone else? I need to give my life completely. Yes, thank you. Is there somebody else? I need to give my life completely to Jesus today. If you feel that tugging on your heart, friend, that is Jesus. He loves you so much. He's going to great lengths 
so that you would be in right relationship with him. Are there others? Real quick, real quick. I don't have much time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a little bit. And friend, if you're in distress today, if you're facing some doubt today, could I challenge you just to linger here in his presence, just between you and him, and remember. Remember how faithful he's been to you before. And the same God, the same God who did it before, is the same God who can do it again. And walk out of here encouraged today. So I'm going to say a prayer when I say amen. The next step for many of you might be just to sit or to come up and kneel and pray and just be in his presence. And maybe not even say a word. Maybe just need to remember. But do that. Do that. Do that. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now for those who raise their hand, saying they need to commit their lives completely to you. God, together we pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Become my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. Help me to live every day for you. Take my sin away from me, Lord Jesus. It is gone. And make me a brand new person. A new creation in you, Jesus. And I thank you for that miracle in this place. God, I believe there are a number of us that just need to linger in your presence and just remember and remember and remember what you've done in the past. And God, with each moment that comes to our our minds and each situation in the past that comes to our spirits, build our faith and remind us that you're in control and remind us that you could do it again and remind us that we can depend on you, Lord Jesus, and we will rely on your power and your strength, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, meet with your people as they simply answer the call to remember. Meet with us now, Jesus, in your name. Amen. If you need to linger in his presence, feel free to do so. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.